let's open our Bibles in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And the title for the sermon today is a simple title, but I already heard someone telling me, I don't like your title. Boy, I didn't mean to, to hurt people, you know, but... Uh, and the title is, do you remember? Are you in shape? <laughs> you already have answers. No, yes, I'm trying. And if I ask you, are you in shape? Many of you are going to say, Pastor, I'm trying. I'm, you know, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my exercise. Uh, every day, you know, I wake up in the morning. I start running for two hours or maybe, I don't know, 15, 11 miles. Some people here, I know they run 11, 12 miles a day. It's like... Wow, it's crazy. With one mile, I'm like, (sighs) but 12 miles a day? And the question is not necessarily based on if you are doing exercise. Even that is a good thing. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, every time you ask someone, are you in shape, uh, you usually get all kinds of different answers because many of these people try to be in shape for many other reasons that sometimes just being, I mean, with good health. Sometimes they want to look good, you know. I have friends who they are in shape and they are doing exercise every day. And they are so, I mean, they feel so good with themselves, I think, that they come to me all the time. Dante, just touch it. Look, it's bigger now. Look, look. It's hard. Come on. I have uh, elders that come and say, come on, touch it. It's here. It's really hard now. Come on. All muscle. You know, hey, you know, sometimes we want to look good, I guess. Sometimes we just want to look good. Anyway. Let's read that passage, and we are going to read only one verse, and out of that verse, we are going to find lots of different lessons today. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That verse alone. We are going to read that one again. Verse number two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. When you go to different translations you are going to find that some of the modern translations translate that as do not shape your life anymore to the world. Do not shape. Even the conference, the the, the Southeastern California Conference for the Youth, that's the verse that they use, and they use the text. I think it's the new something, some new version, that it says do not shape. Now, how close it is from do not uh, 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 do not, I'm going to read again, confirm to do not shape. Well, I'm going to tell you that that word, confirm, is not being translated correctly 100%. And every time you read a Bible, that doesn't mean, you, that, that's why we have an issue sometimes when we say this Bible is the only one. Remember, you have to remember that those Bibles were translated by people like you and me who did have the best of knowledge at that moment of some words. The word that is used right there, meaning uh, that what, what we know right now, com, you know, do, do, do not conform to this word, really means do not shape, do not be formed. Do not allow for the word to form you that way. 
Sometimes when you read it to not conform, it's like, okay, I'm fine. I'm going to allow for the world to change my life, and I'm going to just live like that. You see, we need to be in shape. But what Paul is writing here is you need to allow, you need to know exactly that you are not supposed to be influenced that much by the world that you are going to be formed and shaped in the same way. But here we have another problem too. That word, when you read, do not conform to this to the world anymore, the word, the, the, the word that you are using as word is not that either. And we have to remember that many of these messages are more personal than just general studies. When you said, do not conform to this world, you are saying, do not conform to anything. Many of the things, this world, this world, you live in this world. But when you go a little bit deeper, and if you want to make it more personal, you better read it like this. Do not shape your life to this generation. That changes the whole thing. Why does changes so much? Because when you say do not shape your life according to this generation, means that, Carolyn, do you remember your generation? What was your generation back then? That, what, uh, let's say, just the 60s. That generation is totally different to my generation. Totally different. What about you, Jim? What was your generation back then? I mean, what was the, 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 the years that you're talking about? 50s. Oh, that's really, you know, like, well, I don't want, I don't mean, my, but, you know, but, yeah, my generation, I'm talking about like late 70s, 80s, that's my generation. When you read the passage just like that, it gets to be personal. It gets to be God talking to you and knowing exactly what you are going through. That's why we have these issues when you get older, you said, uh, the kids are not like, you know, they're not being the same way that they used to be before. Well, that's your generation. Do not be shaped according to your generation. Now, if we go back to the 60s, back to the 50s, and if I ask you, many of you, back to the 70s or whatever year that you were born and you grew up to be a teenager, what do you used to do in those years that now you are ashamed to remember? Do you did everything good all the time? What is it? Do you used to wear something crazy? I remember wearing in my times these tight jeans like that with a bell. You know, in my time they used to call it campana. Bell because you go there, I mean, the pants like that, really tight, and then like that. And my mom was like, you crazy. Oh, I'm, I was fine. I was fine. That was my generation. Seven days after kids walking with that. All right. And I remember wearing these T-shirts, white with big yellow stars everywhere. Like, whoa, when I see the pictures now, and I remember my generation, and I remember also being in, that, in, in a seventh day after school, but then I have to remember God also called me back then and said, do not conform, do not be shaped to your generation. And I was baptized when I was 19. Because every generation is different. The message today is personal. When we read it just the way the Bible is just, just putting it, the way it is, then we make it as, you know what, everyone is the same, and not everyone is the same. Do not be shaped, formed 
by this generation. And we have youth today who are this generation. And they are being maybe influenced by this generation. We do not have to be shaped by this generation. But then I keep reading the same verse. After that, I'm going to, this is the, the NIV, the same way that, the same Bible that you probably have, or maybe you have the King James. I'm going to read the verse again. Do not conform or shape any longer, no more, to the pattern. And here NIV was trying to get the idea, pattern, shape, form of this world, of this generation, comma. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, there is another thing that we need to keep reading. And it's so beautiful. That's the beauty about the Bible. That's the beauty of each one of those, I mean, us studying the Bible. Because I don't think you just come, you, you just listen to me and then you leave. Uh, you're not that kind of people, right? You go back home and you study deeper, right? You do that, right? You don't? Oh, I'm, I'm very disappointed now. That part. What Paul says, but be transformed. Transform meaning transform by getting, Paul says, the renew, I mean a new, what? Mind. That word transform is also the same word that is used when Jesus Christ went to the what? Transformation to the, what is called that in English? What? Somebody, remember what happened when he appeared in front of, 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 of some of the disciples and Moses and Elijah was there? What was that? Thank you, transfiguration. That's the same word that is used when Jesus Christ went to that, through that. Paul is telling you, you need to go through that transfiguration. And that not only happens because just like that, it happens like, I want to be transformed today. Also, Paul uses the same word in 2 Corinthians when he talks about a Christian being transformed when that person is in front of the face of God. And also the same word is used by you and me when we talk about the butterfly. Remember what the butterfly goes through? What's that? Thank you. It's not somebody who says transfiguration. No, no, the butterfly doesn't go through the transfiguration. It goes, but close enough. It goes to the metamorphosis, right? Very close. It goes through that so that way it changes from the inside out and it gets to be a new person. And the Bible keeps talking about Christians being, I mean, having a new life, a new person, a new body all the time. But we keep missing that point when we just read it like this. God wants you to have a change, a transfiguration, change the whole thing in your life from the inside out. But you know what happened? We try to change from the outside in. And that's the problem that we have. How do you know I'm not a really good sinner in front of you? How do you know I'm not taking part of your tithes and offerings before they leave this place? <laughs> Some of you smile like, come on, pastor. How do you know? Because I am the pastor. 
because I am wearing really nice tie and maybe the same suit for a few weeks. And you, Pastor, look good every time you cut your hair. Oh, you look so sharp. How do you know? Anybody can look good outside. Everybody can please to somebody else to look good as a real Christian from the outside. But the inside is still the same. We need to be transformed we need to transfigure. We need to have that, 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 that change that comes from the inside out. And sometimes that change, it takes time, but it happens. But that change, according to Paul, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be transformed here. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that we just need to be transformed in the way we act, in the way we talk, in the way we do things. But everything starts, too many things starts right here. I can tell right now, Carla, who is looking at me right now, and, and a few minutes ago, I think I was saying something different about you, Carla. And she was laughing. Uh, something different. Still, I still believe something different. Maybe the look, something, you hear something. And maybe I could probably say to her, you look good today. And she's like, you're right. She doesn't believe me. It doesn't matter what I said. She's not going to believe me, maybe. Maybe I can go to Jim, Jim who is doing this thing right now here like that. And I can say, you guys look good like a couple. I mean, as a couple. <clears throat> yeah, right. You don't know my wife. Everything starts many times here. Sometimes we think that everything starts here, and we have some problem with some other Christians who they think everything starts here, and then, oh, you do whatever. No, everything starts here in many ways because Jesus Christ is the one that changed our hearts, but at the end, you make a decision which is here. And here is saying you need to transform your mind. The problem is somebody is in control of your mind. Somebody could be the world, as Paul was saying. Somebody could be of some other, I don't know, book that you're reading, of some other teaching that you're receiving, and somebody's controlling your mind to make a decision. You know, the decisions we make in life, the decisions that we make to follow Christ, are personal decisions. Jesus Christ came to die for you and me. And sometimes we want people to make decisions according to what we believe they have to think. How many of you think that probably this color goes with my pants? I mean, blue and this. You guys think look good? What about if I bring a red suit, a red jacket, really bright red jacket with that? Do you think that will go? I would probably look like, like I work in a hotel or something like that. And I say, you know, welcome to Hilton or something like that. But, you know, like a uniform. And sometimes you have people, when they come to you, think, you are not supposed to be looking like that. You are not supposed to be doing this. You are not supposed to be thinking this way. The very interesting thing is that if you keep reading that chapter after that verse, Paul starts talking about all the things that people are doing different 
maybe in the church. And they say, maybe you are being called to teach. Teach! Maybe you are being called to just do it. But sometimes we have this pattern that we think everybody needs to be the same. But God is making a personal call. His salvation is not for the church. The salvation at the end is for you and me. And you have to answer back to God. And it's one thing that God doesn't allow, well, it's not doesn't allow, he doesn't want for you to do. He doesn't want for you to let somebody else lead your life or let somebody else lead your mind. And more than that, he doesn't want you for your mind to be led by this generation or whatever generation you were born. God wants you for you to take control of your mind and make a clear decision for him. That's the call for us today. It's so easy for us to go either way. It's so easy for us to go extreme to the right or extreme to the left. But God keeps telling us, telling us all the time, Jeremiah, stay in the center. Listen to my voice. This is so important. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, that's why it's so important. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. And that's so important, brothers and sisters. It's so important for us to know exactly what's God's will for my life. Do you know what's God's will for your life? If I ask many of you, including myself, we probably kind of like stumble with the answer. What is God's will? And the first thing we say is to preach the gospel. No, that's the church. That's what God wants for the church to do. What's God's will for your life? Do you know God's will? You're never going to know God's will if somebody else is leading your life. You're never going to know God's will if somebody else is just controlling your life and telling you these are the things that you are, you, you're supposed to be doing. These are the things that you are supposed to be looking for. These are the things that you are supposed to be looking when, every, when everything is done. You look like that. No, that's what God's will is for you is personal. But the only way you are going to find it is when you transform your mind and you allow God to work in you. I'm going to read again that section. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You were born for a reason. You were not born to only have kids and having kids and kids. You were not born only to have bachelor's degrees and master's degree and doctoral degrees one after another. How many you have? Five. Ooh, wow. He knows a lot. He probably knows a lot, but he doesn't know God. Whoa. My, I mean, God's will is for him, for me to read his Bible all the time. That's good. You can read it. And I know many of you maybe read the Bible three or four times. The whole thing. And I have people that came to me one day and said, Pastor, I read the Bible nine times. Wow, nine times? Yes. Do you remember everything? No, but I read the whole thing nine times. Do you know God? 
well, you know, it's easy to read. It's difficult to stop and listen what God wants to tell you for your life. And the same technique Satan uses at these days. Be busy. Be busy. It's difficult to stop and listen to God. I remember uh, back in, in uh, one of the schools that, uh, that I visited, they used to have this marathon, and it was a huge deal, huge deal, a Bible marathon. They read before, uh, before uh, a week of prayer, the three or four days before, they read the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Day and night. And you put your name there. Three o'clock in the morning. <sighs> it's my turn now. They have two microphones. One, once that person is done, you know, with that chapter, I take it the next one. Let not them remain out. And then you keep going as fast as possible because you need to finish it. It's a marathon. At the end, it was the joy of finishing the whole Bible. They read in different languages. They read even, they even had a computer in front of their microphone because it was already said, okay, you're done with that chapter? And then the Lord says to you, like, wow, even a computer read the Bible. They finished the whole thing in three days. And at the end, they call the pastor. And at the end, they do this huge thing. And they praise the Lord because they finished reading the Bible in three days, day and night, day and night. That's it. Wow. That's it. What is? What is the will of God for you? To accomplish that? What is the will of God for you? Do you not think about it? It's not easy. The Bible also said, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You, saw, you see, sometimes we just have a hard time trying to understand what's God's will in my life. And that's why I mentioned before, if you say preaching the gospel, that's the church. I mean, that's God's will for the church. We need to preach the gospel in these last days. The third angel message, the coming of Christ. Come on, it's time to call everybody. That's the church. But God is a personal God. What's God's will for your life? Pastor, how am I going to know what's God's will for my life? You need to look for it. You need to transform your life. You, 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 your mind needs to be set. You need to just not listen to this generation and just try to put the radio station in the right frequency so you can hear the voice of God. And that will, that will is going to be good. It's going to be pleasant. It's going to be perfect. But here we have a problem. You see, those three things of God's will, the last one, many people take it 
as perfect, like, what do you mean? Like, everything needs to be dressed perfect, yeah. Let's go one by one. God's will is going to be according to this, what? Good. Do you think God wants something good for you? Do you think God wants something good for the church? Wow. When I say you think God wants something good for you, everybody says yes, for the church. Who knows? We haven't painted the church yet. Do you think God wants something good for the church? Do you think God wants something good for your neighbor? Do you think God wants something good for this world? He does. He's God. So whatever call, whatever uh, will you are going to find out in your life, God's will, it needs to be good, not only for you, because sometimes we say, well, I like it. <laughs> I don't care if they don't like it. I like it. I don't care if my neighbor don't like it. I don't care if the church don't like it. It's going to be good for everyone who is going to be in contact with you. Because you are going to reflect God's will, that good, that goodness. You are going to reflect it because that goodness is only coming from God and coming out of you for everybody else. Do you think God's will is going to be pleasant? I mean, pleasant for you? Really? What about for the, for, for, for the church? It's going to be pleasant for is, What about for the world? Now, that's a tough one because we could say it's difficult to, Pastor, it's difficult to please the world and the church. There's no way you can do that. They are totally different. It's like having water and oil. They're never going to be together. That's God's call. That's his will. And only when you allow God to work in your life, that is going to happen. The problem is when we try to help God and we said, that's not God's will. We already figured out the whole thing, and we said, no, according to this verse, and this verse, no, that's not God's will. It wasn't God's will to call LNG wire first, right? All of those who are Adventists, and remember LNG wire? Two men were called before. And what happened with those two men, manly men? They said, uh-uh. We're not going to do that job. It's going to be a foolish but isn't that beautiful? God uses what everybody else called to be a foolish person or whatever to preach his gospel. That was, at the end, God's will. You see, it's going to be pleasant when the moment comes. But at the end, the last part says also God's will is going to be perfect. And now we have to read that word. Because it's not really perfect. When you read that passage, when you read that word, that word also means it's going to be constant. All the time. It's going to happen. It's going to push and push. It's going to be constant. And that's why we have God love all the time calling you. He's constant. He's calling everybody constant. That's why we talk about the perfect love of God. He's constant. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling. And he's never going to stop calling. Isn't that awesome? 
That's why we have this perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Because nothing else could change that. Because you, if somebody does something to you, say, ah, forget it. Who is going to call that person? But if you do something to Christ, he's going to say, I die for you. I'm going to keep calling you and calling you and calling you. That's the perfect love of God. And the word that is being used here means constant. That's why we have people that when they read passages like this, they think, Pastor, I can't get baptized yet. What? Why? I'm not ready. And for them, ready means I need to have everything in order in order to be baptized. Everything needs to be perfect. No mistakes. But it's not about making those mistakes. It's about how constant you are with God. Because even if you think you are perfect, you are going to fail and you are going to sin. But the proof comes here for you to stand and keep walking. That's being constant. That's why we don't have people who make commitments anymore. Because they are afraid that everybody else is waiting for them to be perfect. If you fail once, we don't call you next time. But God believes in being constant. That's why he called David. That's why he called Moses. That's why he called many of those people who were imperfect, but they were constant. That's perfection. Some people think Jesus Christ is not here yet because he's waiting for a perfect church for perfect people. It's like saying, God, let me manipulate a little bit you. You're not going to come until we have the perfect people here. And that's not what the Bible says. Perfection is not based on that. How constant are you? How much are you willing to keep moving in your life with God next to you? That's why when you get baptized, when I got baptized, I remember the first time, 19 years old, I was trying so hard the first two days to not fail. It was a Sabbath. Sunday I did good, I think. But Monday around 11 o'clock, I think it was 11 or 12, I failed. How do you think I failed? Now what? I remember calling the one who gave me the Bible studies and I said, do you think I need to be rebaptized? Do you see the reason? His will for you is going to be good. His will for you is going to be pleasant. But more than that, his will is going to be constant. And he's going to tell you, you, you have been born for a reason. You do what you are being calling to do. When you don't find that reason, when you don't find that will, then you have people who retire out of ministry. You notice that? I'm not a youth pastor anymore. Why? I'm 70, I mean 75 years old. That's it. I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore. Why? I used to do that, but now I'm moving to this higher level, I guess. It's constant. We keep moving in life, and it's constant. Orange, seven day of the church. When you find that this God, that this God, See you that way. When you find that this God 
And for me, it's so hard sometimes to say, believes in you and me that way. Because we fail many times. And we fail to God many times. But when I read this passage, when I read it the way it's supposed to be, when I find the truth behind, I'm going to find that I have a God that loves me. That I have a God that believes in me. That I have a God that doesn't matter what anybody else said about my beliefs. About what I believe. Because I know someone who is personal to me. We need to have a relationship with God. And you're not going to find it in other books. You're not going to find it in some other radio stations. We need to find God. We need to find his face ourselves. We need to take time to start making those changes, that transformation in our mind. Otherwise, we're going to keep thinking the same. When we get to be transformed, when we get to find the will of God, I'm going to move aside. Because God is going to be using you in this church. Because God is going to be using you in the place you are working. Because God is going to be using you in the neighborhood that you're living Because God is going to be using you with your family. God is going to be using you everywhere you go. And I'm going to move aside. Because that's God working in you. But first. First. Let's just remember. For the last time. These words. Do not conform or shape. Form. Any longer. No more. To the pattern of this generation. But be transformed. Change from the inside out completely. By the renewing of your mind. That needs to be changed. Then you will be, you will be able. To test and prove. And some other version said see. What God's will is for you. For me, his good, pleasing, and constant will. That's who God is. And that's what God is doing in your life. Isn't that God? Is, he, he, let's put it this way. Isn't God good? He deserves no wonder our praise and glory. No wonder Paul is the best person to write about this because he was one of the worst followers of Christ at first. But he was transformed. His mind was transformed. It's time for us to read maybe this passage again and read what happens after that. Everything else that chapter. When he talks about the grace of God, do not think of yourself more highly do not do this and that. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And he keeps talking all the things. God is good. God deserves my praise and glory. Because he has chosen me just like you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
at this moment, at first, oh Lord, we were kind of worried that what kind of shape we're going to be talking about. We were worried that we were going to be talking maybe about exercises and diets. But more than that, I want to ask you, Lord, for you to impress in our minds and hearts the kind of shape that we need to adopt. The shape not from this generation, but the shape that only comes from your loving hands molding us, each one of us. At this moment, I want to ask for you, Lord, to help us, each one, make that transformation completely from the inside out, our mind, not be leading by our heart, that sometimes it just go by emotions and feelings, but to help us take control of our minds, that together with you, we are going to find your will for us. Help us understand that will. Help us find it soon. Because the days, the years are passing by. And your coming is soon to be here. And we need to work. But we're not going to work if we don't find your will. What you want us to do in person. Each one of us. Help us, O oh Lord. To find your will. Help us to see the picture that Paul was trying to show in this chapter. Bless each one of us here. Bless our families. Bless this church. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen. Amen.